Hey, did you know that today is SpongeBob SquarePants' birthday? I did. I got a, a Facebook post about it. That's why we picked July 14th. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish uh, I had known that whenever the day came. I did not I did not know that. Oh, my God. How did no one uh, mention that? How, how did that slip through the cracks? I don't I had, know. There was an agreement. I had a... I had a non-disclosure agreement that expired after two years. I think I think July fourteenth is now known as primarily SpongeBob's birthday, but secondarily Joe Nash's wedding anniversary. Yeah, now now it's primarily SpongeBob's birthday. <laughs> and forget the French and the fact that it also Happy birthday, happens to be Bastille Day. <laughs> I mean, we can't Kevin, forget. You were about the we forgot the French. Kevin, you were about to pass out on the altar, but Matt can attest that when we were doing the vows, I kept whispering, Happy birthday, SpongeBob! <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and then he was four for 13 in the second game. And he, again, he was in both games. He was the, uh, he had the second most shots of the team and he wasn't hitting anything. He was a black hole when you pass the ball. Yeoman's work um, on defense um, in the post, which I didn't expect. And I really appreciate especially against Ben Mackey, like Joe said, but I mean, he was a black hole on offense. Um, I don't want to fall into the trap though. Dante Green is not the reason we lost. He was a factor in it, but you cannot pin either uh, either offensive performance on Dante Green alone. It was just a, a disjointed offense the whole way through. Yeah, and the most unfortunately for me, I had to watch that game alongside Brett, um, and <laughs> there were a lot of exclamations, but one that I actually was spot on that I think I may have missed out on the year that Dante Green was at Syracuse and that's if he touches the ball, he shoots it. And that was kind of how it went on Saturday. You know, he, he was just sort of – some of them were good. He had some nice post moves, which was a nice refreshing change um, from what we're used to at the five. Is we, we don't typically see those, those same, like, nifty uh, post moves that he has. But I, I really think that it would have helped us if we had had, you know, either uh, – McCullough or Leiden uh, to at least come in uh, and, and, you know, eat, just eat, I mean, maybe not eat some fouls, but just take some of the time away so that, that Dante wasn't just kind of like hogging the limelight. Um, but yeah, I mean, Devo just kind of disappeared as well. I, I really didn't see much out of him on Saturday. I know he had, you know, he, he had a great game on Thursday. Yeah, so Thursday. Put that out there. He had a fantastic game on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Saturday though, it was just it's just a different story. He he did not did not show up the way that I had hoped he would have. Um, you have to wonder how much of that is the fact that you know he's not young anymore, and he's also not a professional basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the guy I'd like to see a little bit more of was John Gillen. I thought that um, the offense started to. I'll, I'll say click, but um, even when it was clicking, it wasn't great. In, in the first game, when Gillen came in, they were able to, to run the ball a, a little bit. Um, and then the second game, um, I mean, he, he still got you know almost 24 minutes in the second game. Um, but he, he it seemed the offense seemed to work more well when Gillen was in. But the, the problem then you get is um, it's such a small lineup when you have Gillen in there. So it, it's uh, a lot of give and take there. Dylan was also the only guy who could stay in front of Keen. Keen was the the other team's starting point guard who was actually even smaller than Gillen. So, yeah, you lose the advantage of your size a little bit, but Gillen was was and he apparently he knew that guy personally and they had like a little competitive thing going back and forth, but Gillen was the only one able to stay in front of their point guard. And, and, and the guy who was most disappointed with in these two games was Malachi. Um, really? I was going to say Andrew White because Andrew White should have been the best shooter coming into this. I, I think I think Malachi should have been the best scorer. And he Fair. just he didn't seem to ever show up. I mean, he was... He was um, okay in the first game. He was okay. Yeah. He was one of eight in the second game. And first game he was two of four. I mean, he he never really had a presence out there, and I and I thought if they were going to win, Malachi was going to have to be be one of one of if not the guy. 
Um, and I, I think I, I know Joe, you had mentioned and Andrew White um, last episode, but I, I think you also mentioned Malachi in terms of you know people that really had had a chance to shine there, and it didn't really feel like anyone took that opportunity. I was well, looking for ask. Andrew White shooting. That's that's what I was waiting for. Was Andrew White shooting? Not for him to go one for six from behind the arc in that second game is. I think that's what really disappointed me. I was there's also there's something to be said also, and I, I made this point on Saturday. Um, you you didn't have nearly the amount of preparation that you would normally have for something like this. Um, this this is a different year, so I mean I I think to some extent, yeah, like I kind of hate that guy usually, but this year I think it applies that we're just glad to be out there and playing. You know, like yeah. they get the thus the twenty two seed makes it to the championship. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I think we just, we didn't have quite the prep that we were um, that that really required us to have that cohesive uh, yeah. everything, and and you could see it when they went back door on us like five times, and every time they went back door, I'm like, is this like eighth grade? Like, what is that, going on? Someone's out of that, position. That's a zone that is not um, in tune. To kind of to kind of drive home that point, uh, some teams did practice before entering the bubble. We did not. Um, our players decided to stay separate to ensure that they all tested negative before they got there. So some teams had some prep. Ours did not. So they only had eleven days together before the the first game. Right, but that was a choice that they made. And it, when you enter a tournament like this. Um, you you know what the other teams are doing, and you're not showing up just to play. You play to win the game, and they they didn't look like they were quite ready. Well, let me ask this: if if looking back on this, and obviously we could say that McCutcheon and Leiden would have made a difference. I guess first question: what kind of difference would that have made? Would that have extended their time in this thing? And then the other question is who, and I know we touched on this some last week, who do we wish was there that would have made the difference? Now, I know last week I was real big on, I wish we had somebody like an Arinze there or, or some big man of some sort on the inside, um, which would have been helpful. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys have other thoughts on who we kind of wish we'd have seen there. I know Hakeem Warwick was on this team in the past. Obviously, he's a little older at this point. Not sure if he would have made as much of a difference as he has before, but. I think if you had just the guys who were slated to play, not even trying to dig into the pool deeper, if you have Leiden and you have McCullough, Leiden was a good rebounder, and we didn't see a whole lot of McCullough, but McCullough's 6'10 and athletic. One dude on the sideline cancer team had 18 rebounds. And if, I just think if we had Leiden, he's our starting five. One guy is not killing us on the boards like that. And maybe that helps slow down the run that sideline cancer went on in the third quarter. Maybe it doesn't snowball. The defense isn't playing catch up so much. The offense doesn't start chucking terrible shots. Maybe it doesn't snowball into the terrible third quarter that it did if we could have been more competitive on the board. So I think just having the size we were supposed to have makes it so we would have had a fighting chance in, in this game. Yeah, I I didn't really feel like it was the – I mean, rebound's been a problem for Syracuse since ever. Um, but 
I, I thought that the offense was the biggest problem, especially in the second game. I mean, they only scored 48 points, and and a lot of those felt meaningless at the end. I, I feel like the, the score was closer than the, the game actually was. Um, I mean, I would love to see someone like, I guess, I don't know if I can, if Tyus Battle really counts here since he's on a G League team. Um, but, I mean, he was someone who could, you know, take over for a little while when everyone else sucked. Um, and, and he he spent half of his college career doing that. And, and that, that that was the type of player that Syracuse needed. Um, maybe, you know, with that same idea, you know, I don't know what Chris Joseph is up to these days, but I mean, he was he was a guy who could um, dominate games um, at times and just take over. And and when he drove, he wasn't a great jump shot, but when he drove, it opened up the shooting. And maybe if you had someone like him who could really attack the basket, you know, some of these threes might fall. And all it takes is one or two shots to fall to start getting on a roll. I'm going to do something that you guys are going to criticize me for, but I'm going to say I wish that we had Mello. Um, uh, because I think we needed somebody who is still somewhat young, able to, and obviously Melo is not eligible for the tournament, uh, right. as being an active NBA player. But, uh, uh, I wish we had Melo because we needed some excitement out there. We needed a player to kind of take over and we call Melo somewhat young. He compared still, to the other people. The point is, he would he would hands down be the best player in the tournament the second oh, he stepped right. on the floor. Needed, oh yeah, we needed like a CJ Fair, a Carmelo Anthony, like you know Jerry McNamara, someone who could have just taken over that game and kind of put the team on his back because just no, everyone was kind of flat, especially in the second half. We we kind of hung with them in the first half, um, but I think it was mostly because they also kind of came up. Um, a little bit. They came out flat, just like we did uh, right out of the out of the the get go. But in the second half, we just kind of started folding, and and never really came back. I mean, I, I felt like I looked down, and then we were down by fourteen points, and I was like, "How did this happen?" I thought we were down by three. You so know? my question is: Say Carmelo retires, and he says, "You know what? Sure, I'll play next year." Is it in poor taste for a dude of Melo's stature to help a team collectively compete for a million dollars? I mean, Joe Johnson. No, they didn't sit. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, but Joe Johnson doesn't have the bankroll that Carmelo does. Do you think if he does it, he should Joe, not Joe take his has share? Bankroll that it doesn't. It's Joe Johnson's not wanting for money. Joe Johnson's out doing this stuff, and he was in the Big Three league and won the MVP in that a couple years ago. Like. He's got plenty of money unless he really did something. Yeah, but not like Mello. Mello is a brand, is a brand. But my, my, my question, I guess, is if you see Mello on Bayheim's Army next year, are you expecting to see his share as zero dollars? Because I think that's, that's where possible. I would be. I, what is, what I, is, I mean, he can What take does Mello what need a hundred grand for? I mean, these players take different amounts. I could see him doing it for zero, possibly. Or donates his share to charity, something like that. Exactly. It'd be I, weird I to see him competing like for a hundred grand. I, I, but he can help play. his friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the reason Joe Johnson is in this tournament is because he couldn't get an NBA job because he's ISO Joe. Uh, and that type of style is kind of gone with the exception of Mello, and Mello is just at, he's essentially the better version of Joe Johnson, um, you know, with a little bit more to his game. 
uh, especially in terms of rebounding and such. Um, well, at least it used to be. But, I mean, Mello doesn't I, – I think once Mello retires, he's retired. I don't think he's going to be hanging around these types of things like what Joe Johnson has been doing. Joe, Joe Johnson is, is the type of player that just refuses to quit, which I kind of love about him. Um, like, you can't kick this guy off the court. And yeah. yeah, he sounds like he sounds like you, Brett. Uh, we can't kick Brett off the uh, the pickup basketball court, even when he's rolling around with Anthony Vega and uh, throwing bows and all kinds of stuff. And then you know, yeah. next next thing we know, he's he's back up playing point guard. Well, I, you know playing point guard. That team's not very good. Let's see. Let's start with right there. So so I mean. The reality is, I think one of these years in the TBT, there will be a brand name in in the tournament, in that TBT tournament, for one of these teams. I I guarantee it. One of these years, somebody's going to get into that. Joe's going to be like seven time All Star. I know, but he's well, what, right. What I know. Well, I'm going by I'm going by somewhat what Joe said. Joe Johnson is a big deal. There's no doubt about that. But like Carmelo was a brand. Joe he Johnson's guy... not somebody that a casual NBA fan necessarily knows. Right. Five years One ago, these... yes. All right. Well, we're not going to get down into this discussion because that is going to get long and complicated. And, <laughs> uh, but but I I do think like one of those like like a really really like massive person's going to suddenly show up one of these times in that tournament. And then that will open the floodgates and we'll see. But unfortunately, so that was, that was it for Syracuse in that the next Syracuse sporting event we might have is at the end of August uh, when the football team plays Boston college. Uh, Well, I mean, there's some other like soccer or whatnot before that, but the next one that you'd see on TV uh, I, I'm going to be very honest here. Uh, reading some of the articles uh, that people like Pete Thamel, Syracuse alum, by the way, uh, wrote for Yahoo Sports, great college football writer. You should follow him. Uh, is is these these schools are de- delaying the inevitable? Um, I'm going to be very honest. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a college football season. I don't even think we're going to get into fall camp. I think they're going to get about a week in. And they're all going to cry uncle. We've already seen the Ivy League and now the Patriot League said no football. I understand that they're FCS conferences, but you've already had now the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have said conference only. It's expected that the other Power Fives are going to do the same. But if you read this this article that I'd, I'd recommend everybody read that uh, Pete Thamel wrote, and I'm not just basing it off this, but uh, it's called... Time to face reality. No one is playing college football in the fall. Uh, You know, we have an AD here. Ultimately, no one is playing football in the fall. It's just a matter of how it unfolds. As soon as one of the autonomy five of power five conference makes a decision, that's going to end it. Uh, You've got 13,000 players that play at the highest level of college football, and you're trying to keep them in a bubble. And the NBA spending $150 million to try to keep its bubble in effect, which, by the way, somebody already broke. So it's almost an impossible ask. And there's there's college football coaches, not named, but you know, Power 5 coaches in this article saying 
that they know they're starting camp knowing that there's pretty much it's inevitable there will not be a season. And it's just it's a shame, but I I, I just can't I be honest, guys, I just I do not see us playing football this fall. Probably not at this rate. Um, yeah, obviously think, it's it's I an think, uphill battle. I think that 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 we're likely to see some form of college football. Um, I, I don't think that that. I mean, like you said, Matt, already we've already got conferences that have said they're going to just play within themselves. We've got other conferences that are not participating at all. Um, you know, we're not going to see a. a college football playoff obviously we're not going to see something that that resembles normal but i think we may we may get something uh i think it just depends on what that looks like um i for one was i don't know if you guys saw that uh paul pascaloni actually just took a job the other day to oh, be yeah. special an advisor for dan mullen at florida um so i was i was excited to to sort of ring the paul pascaloni bell and uh, you know i mean i Frankly, I can't stand the University of Florida, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I guess I'll tolerate them. Uh, Sticking with those orange and blue colors, he is. Well, yeah. The Gator Chomp just ruins the whole thing for me. But, but you know, I, I think that it would be somewhat interesting if they could, you know, I mean, I, I it just kind of, I keep going back to that conversation we had a few weeks ago. You know, these are not employees. Um, you know, as much as we've made the arguments that, that, that they should be and they, that stuff like that, they are not considered employees. So how can you subject them to, uh, the risks of, of, of the, the current pandemic? I, I just, I just can't wrap my head around it. Um, I still think we're going to see some sort of semblance of college football, but I, it does look like it's going to be a shell of its former self. Well, my what I think is going to happen NFL is different because they're, they are employees and they, you know, are in a, in a, it's a whole another structure. Uh, when you have student athletes, it's a whole different ball. Game. My suspicion they're going to get three or four weeks in. If, if they try to start the season a couple weeks in, and then it's going to end up going away. But I, I'll, at this point, I don't even know if we're going to get to that. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, Matt, Matt I, I agree. I think they're, they might get, one or two games in, but what's going to happen is um, it's going to start with a big state school, um, a big state school, whether it's Michigan or Penn State um, or, or University of Florida or something like that. Um, they're going to be the first to, to say, look, we just can't do this. This isn't right. Um, and once you get a big name state school going, it's going to be a domino effect um, because that it just starts to screw with the schedules too much. Um, and it becomes completely impossible for um, any type of champion to be crowned. And, and, you know, maybe you get a couple schools to say, no, we're going to do this no matter what. Um, and, and they play a four game season and go four and oh, and declare themselves national champions or something. But I think, why not us? Why yeah, not us? He would do that. Because I hope, I, I hope, not necessarily that I believe, but I hope our administration is smarter than that. Um, that the, the beautiful thing about Syracuse football, a beautiful thing about Syracuse football, is our fans naturally socially distance. Boo. Oh, um, yeah, but we're the only ones who play inside. No. True. I mean, the other thing, Ooh. the other thing, 
I mean, you look at Syracuse's current schedule. We're down to a 10-game schedule. Uh, Syracuse has already lost two opponents off their schedule. Rutgers, because the Big Ten's doing conference only. And Colgate, because the Patriot League is not playing. Uh, so that means they've got 10 games left. And to be all honest, the ACC is probably going to follow suit and go to conference only. That's the rumor right now. Personally, I still think this is just delaying the inevitable. Uh, but but we'll see what they do. But as of now, we're looking at a 10-game schedule with two straight off weeks. <laughs> For me, the most interesting part of all this is the aftermath. Say things get better. There's no college football this year, but next year in August, things start normally. What do you do with the rosters? Does everyone get a red shirt? Do you expand the number of scholarships? How many years is that going to snowball? Do you just tell the kids this year, sorry, that's your eligibility? Do you only tell the seniors? It's a complete disaster, and we have Mark Emmert that's in charge of making it. (laughs) You you retain the eligibility. You retain the eligibility. You expand scholarship. Everyone? Just just the kids in their last year of eligibility. The freshmen coming in are going to be penalized for the super, super seniors, you know, the sixth-year redshirt seniors that are still able to play. Say you're – what's the kid's name? Justin Lampson. And then you find out Tommy DeVito is getting another year of eligibility because they didn't play this year. Are you still going to come to Syracuse? Maybe not. Maybe not. See what gets into this solution. There, it's like it's a pandemic. There's not going to be any good solution. You just have to make the best out of what you have. And it's not fair to anyone to just strip it. it, it it's not fair to strip kids of eligibility. It's not going to be fair to the, the incoming kids to, to give another year, but giving another I'm not, year. I'm might... not saying that they I'm sorry, Brett. give kids their eligibility, but I'm just saying like it's years that this is going to have an impact on the Brett, rosters right. and eligibility Brett. and scholarships. Brett, are you suggesting that the NCAA goes by fairness? <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting point you make. I, 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 I've, I've never seen that. the NCAA go by fairness yet. Um, Mark, Mark Emmer's going to wake up one day and say, you know what? I need to clear my head to make this decision. I'm going to go grab my softball glove and have a catch. <laughs> and he won't find it. Um, but I, it's allegedly I have Mark Emmert's baseball glove. Allegedly. Um, so if allegedly you, the Ben frat used it for three whole seasons. The, if you tell us you have the 1991 lacrosse championship trophy, then I will produce Mark Emmert's baseball glove. <laughs> and we can just have a tit for tat. Kevin, did you ever consider that Mark Emmert not having his childhood baseball glove my childhood baseball glove is my most prized possession um okay not having it was in his garage his, his like what what led him down this dark dark path to the monster that he's become well i found that baseball glove and then he kind of became a monster shortly afterwards right, so, yeah, right. Dis- despite his decision making he was not a child when he was chancellor of lsu yeah well I mean, you can. Well, I mean, like, uh, by first logic, become a monster until he he became uh, chairman or whatever president of the NCAA. By Brett's logic, he had his whole childhood, uh, lived out his most of his adult life, 
then became chancellor of LSU uh, and kept his baseball glove with him along the entire way. And Brett says that because that's what Brett would have done. Uh, whenever Brett becomes chancellor of Syracuse University, he'll make sure that uh, he leaves the uh, the yeah. And Brett's going to get his baseball glove right now. Okay, he's showing it off. Um, it's ratty and brown. That just reminds me of that. Just, regularly. Hey, Brett, that just reminds me of the time where it's ratty and brown and it's holding a baseball glove. Brett, remember when you were out? <laughs> remember when you were out? I saw a little baseball glove too. Oh my god! Yeah, this is this is. We are learning a lot about Brett right now. We can all take a collective remembrance, and when Brett was out, that was a fantastic moment. There you go. Well, we all. Oh yeah, this is right. This is the softball game before your wedding. Yeah, everybody told me you were out. Brett was. Including your wife. I was safe. And the only reason, because I, I broke the cardinal rule, I slid in the first base because my wife to be was playing first. And if I would have done what I normally would do in any other game, you run through the bag. But if I run through the bag, I wreck the the bride, and I would have had four people knocking my freaking head off before I even had time to round to go to second. So I was I was on deck when this happened, and I had a view straight down the line. Brett dove into the bag in the in foul territory and reached for the bag. His wife went to put the tag down with a glove, but was holding the ball in the other hand. So the ball was not in the glove. The glove was in the tag. Therefore, no. he's been safe. But where was her no. foot? Was her foot on the bag? No. no. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, obviously no. it does matter. No, it, it needed to be. Yeah, no, no. Mr. Baseball over here. Yeah, that matters Wait, a lot. There, there, there was no play on the bag. There, I remember you, and I, I had a very clear... Uh, viewpoint from far left field um, <laughs> where where I saw from my my microscopic um, just like like impeccable uh, cat vision uh, I could see that the the tag was clearly a good tag and Brett was out and I'll, I'll uh, defend that notion until the day I die there you have it amen Keep close. <laughs> oh man it, 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 this I did not get to witness because I was somewhere when this happened. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I hear many stories, and it sounds like it was hilarious to watch in person. Anyway, I, I will have to say, you know, one last thing on this. Who stays, who goes? You know, remember the NFL has this three years out of high school, and you're eligible. So I'm going to be very honest. A guy like... Let's use Syracuse as the example. A guy like Andre Cisco is not going to come back later because he probably has already done enough in his first two years to prove that he deserves a spot on an NFL roster. Unless he ends up, you know, he gets a, a, a word that, you know, hey, stick out another year. You can increase your money or whatnot. You know, show us a little more. But in all honesty, he's already proven himself to be – I mean, he's on the he's on a bunch of watch lists. He's – Probably, you know, first team preseason All ACC. You know, there's All American talk about him possibly. So he's done what he needs to do. If they don't have a season this year, he he's gone. He's going to the NFL, and I hope he signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, you know, it, it just I. So some guys, it's going to be an easy decision. They're going to just go on and move on to the next stage of their life. Other guys. If you need to prove a little more, if you aren't likely to make it to the National Football League or or whatnot, 
you know, then they're going to stay. So it's going to have a lot of long-term effects. Hopefully, well, my first hope is that everybody is safe and healthy. If they can play the game safely and healthy, then fine. But I'll still be honest. I don't know how you can play college football or any type of football safely. Let me just flip it, though. So it seems to me that the preliminary uh, findings were that the the TBT tournament so far, and I guess it just finished up tonight. Um, but but I, I don't think that there were any cases that came out of TBT because I think they handled that pretty well. And basketball is as little of a social distancing sport as exists. Because smaller teams. That, what? Smaller teams in college campuses. Um, yeah, I mean, unless you're basically. But but the point that I was making is that uh, you 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 don't even have a face mask and a uniform like you know pads and those things between you in a basketball activity. So I mean, if you roll out a robust testing regimen like they did for TBT, I mean, can we use this as a case study? Obviously, it's going to take two weeks before we know whether there uh, were any contracted cases uh, during TBT. But I mean, assuming that that goes well, they can kind of use that as a uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to say like a. I don't know, a pilot program, so to speak. But I mean, that's that's not really. Um, I, I, they, they can kind of take that information and uh, and you know, kind of run with it. I see. I don't think that would work because, uh, like what Matt was referencing, when you just look at the the sheer number of people with TBT, the Syracuse roster, you have eight players, then you have two coaches. You don't have training staff. Um, you don't have scouts and all these millions of other things. You look at a professional football team, you have 53 men on the roster, and then you have coaching staffs and you coaches for each specific group. You're talking about probably um, – In college, easy. you have almost 100 on the roster. Right. Um, so – and the other challenge is you can't just create a bubble. Like the NBA is trying to do that because, again, it's people. Um, you know, you, you have fewer people with the NBA than the NFL – um, you can't create a bubble for something like baseball or football. And I think that it's just, a, and even the NBA, I was just reading, um, they're not, the, there are plenty of violations with the bubble. They have the snitch hotline and everything, which is a stupid name for it because people are looking out for their own best interests and their family's best interests. Um, but the NBA isn't, doesn't have a tight bubble like the TBD had in Columbus. Um, I think TBT was also a week. Right. It was a week. You could completely have a bubble, and I don't think you can do that with anything else. I, I think that in a country where football is about as important as anything else, that they're, they're gonna, if there's a way to play football in this country in 2020, it'll happen. I think someone here made – whoever it was, we, we made the point that uh, a couple weeks ago. If there's a meteor headed for Earth, yeah. football will be played – I think they're going to find a way. I think the NFL is certainly going to find a way. But I think college is just – it's a 50-50 at this point. The Premier League is playing soccer right now, and that shows you where – And they're canceling games left and right. Huh? They're canceling games left and right. I'm not saying that we're going to play – Premier League, I'm in NLR. It's very different things. Yeah, things are also drastically better in Europe than they are here right now. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I just think that if, uh, and I just think that if if if, if a, a place, you know, is is committed to something enough, and I completely agree with you on the risks, especially for the collegiate players. I mean, it's really tough to, to wrap my head around, you know, subjecting them to that those risks. But 
as far as you know just to this this you know prediction uh you know discussion we're having um i i think we're gonna have some level whether or not they uh whether or not they they postpone or or cancel the season at some point like that might be on the table but um, so you're not you're not arguing right or wrong you're just you're saying the powers that be are gonna find a way to force it through if one way or another way to have a season they will have a season at least from from where i see it just just by virtue of how seriously this country takes their football um you know and and as a fan i would love to see us innovate ourselves out of this problem um obviously uh, that that has comes with a lot of challenges and then subjects some some student athletes to risks which i i'm not a fan of um, yeah. but uh at some level you know I, i'd love to see some normalcy but yeah you're right the, the challenges are, are are high the number of people you'd have to test and the you know you'd have you wouldn't be able to expose them to others and and it would be it would be quite the undertaking to be able to to do that so they're, they're gonna For some sure. things are gonna slip through the cracks and that's probably when we're gonna have to reevaluate well, it, it will be interesting. Um, we'll monitor this and uh, update it as we go. Um, yeah, we'll know soon. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, fall camp. They're giving them extra time this year. I think they're giving them six weeks because of uh, losing spring. So, you know, they're, they're going to be starting within about a week or so here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but now it is time to lighten things up with our weekly segment, what made Brett mad this week? I can feel your anger. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. All right, so it's time to figure out what made Brett mad. Uh, and you are not allowed to use Dante Green as an answer. Joe Shell, go ahead. Mm, well, seeing as I'm really bad at this, let's dip back into the Sabres well and hope that something made Brett angry. I'm going to say it's the fact that uh, the Sabres' best player, Jack Eichel, is saying he wants to stay with the Sabres, so now that when the organization inevitably screws it up and he's not there anymore... Uh, it's only going to be that much more upsetting. Interesting. All right, Kevin, what do you think? Um, you go ahead, Matt. I, I'm still thinking. Uh, oh, He's good. All right. Uh, let's see. I I think Brett is mad that – oh, gosh. You know, I, I don't know because Joe, Joe took the Sabres thing. And now I'm stuck, and I have to look up the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> I mean, I just know I know what typically. Let's see, let's see what what do we got here? We got Terry Francona, Shane Bieber. Uh, that looks like that would make Brett happy, so we're not gonna say that one. Uh, let's see here. Oh come on, uh, guys! You 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 can't you be mad. Everyone was a little bit meandering. If we're gonna spend here five minutes while everyone's googling, hey man, hey you know rules are rules. People can pass if you want to pass, just pass and let Brett go on his rant. 
I think Brett's still. I, you know what? I, I bet you Brett's still. Here, wait, in the Matt, I'll give you a minute crowd. to think. Um, what what I think made Brett mad this week is Matt uh, ridiculing Brett's uh, 30s Chiefs hat at the beginning of this call. That's Joe. Oh, that was me. That was me. That's Joe. Thanks Joe, for Joe being great. He's agreeing an executive order. Ridiculing the Syracuse Chiefs hat, which we all know the Syracuse Chiefs were a a wonderful franchise, and they've been ruined by the uh, the Mets. Oh shit! I don't have my hat. <laughs> Everyone's not wearing Syracuse Chiefs hats, except, and I have mine upstairs. Uh, but unfortunately, they're the Mets now. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think I think Brett's probably mad about something like that. Or I have no idea what Brett's or, mad or, about. Or, I can't or, even guess. Or maybe like Major League Three, back to the minors, or hey, whatever. Hey, hey, no, we're you not talking about. That's a That's perpetual exactly slam dunk. That's exactly what it is. You did give me the idea. Brett has to be angry about some obscure movie or movie reference that Susan had not seen or didn't know. That's probably what made him mad. And I say obscure because it's always obscure. It's not always like little big league is not obscure. Ken Griffey Jr. Was in little big league for crying out loud. The movie is not obscure. What's obscure is the meaningless facts you decided to tell us while trying to explain the main point. Now, get to your point. Yeah, what made Brett mad this week is becoming quite the, the nuisance. Because um, if Cut we're going to relitigate what made Brett la- mad last week, then this is just going to turn into one big Brett implosion. I now know what made Brett mad this week. You guys are sitting here convincing about like, oh, I got, I got to look this up. Like, uh, so what, what made me mad this week is people's inability to understand the concept of free speech. And this is happening in the context of um, the Washington football team changing their name, the Cleveland in, the Cleveland baseball team um, looking at changing their name, both of which are, are long overdue. And people are just like, crying out cancel culture and all of this and there's a fundamental um issue with people saying oh we all have the right to free speech you're right and what that means is the the, the right of free speech protects you from the government um imposing restrictions on your speech it does not protect you from the consequences of your speech so when dan snyder puts out a statement that's nothing but trolling of the fact that he's being forced to change the name of his football team because the sponsors are running away because they finally decided it was time to take an obviously um, racist name um, away. Um, You can't like say, Oh no, no, why can like, we can't do this. It's um, it, it, it takes away his right of free speech. No, it doesn't. That's about um, protection from the government not protection from your own actions. And that's been Brett's Constitution Corner. Well said. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think that, that was well said. Uh, for, for the, for, for the, uh, the first time, I'm, I'm not happy about Dan Snyder's just complete pig, piggery. Is that a word? Sure. Uh, Pig-headedness. Whatever, 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 whatever Dan Snyder is. Uh, he's Oinkery. We'll call it Oinkery. By the way, can we can we just say everybody's talking about this Red Wolves name? That's so boring. But Please can, go with the Red Tails thing. Can we acknowledge the, the Tuskegee Airmen? Oh, that was oh, awesome. That is awesome, uh, and I totally support that. 
But just back to Dan Snyder, what I was mentioning is that I enjoy Dan Snyder being a butthead uh, every other day of the year because it results in the Redskins losing games because as an avid Philadelphia Eagles fan, I, I like seeing the Redskins lose games because it's so much easier to win the division. Uh, last season, we won the division at 9-7 and seven because the Redskins were not even on the radar. So hopefully he is the owner for years to come, but maybe if they change the name, then he could just, you know, get a little bit of credit there, but it doesn't. No, no, he deserves no credit. The statement he released um, had, had the, the team's current name like six or seven times. I, I, I didn't count. And the logo. Like it was a complete troll. Of, like he clearly doesn't want to do this. He's being forced to do this because the sponsors are running away from him. Can it's acknowledge the, uh, Namely the, FedEx. Matt, I don't know if I saw this through you, but the, the realtor who took all the copyrights on yeah. all the possible names. So yes. now Dan Snyder is going to have to pay him when he decides which name he wants to pick. Guys, genius. Yeah, look at this. This is, I found this yesterday. A realtor in Virginia was smart enough to go and pick all the potential names for the Washington football team going forward and bought the following trademarks. Washington Red Wolves, Washington Tribe, Washington Red Tails, Washington Monuments, Washington Veterans, Washington Red Renegades, Washington Braves, uh, uh, Washington Freedom Fighters, Washington Warhogs, Washington Radskins, which I That's believe terrible. is a – is that a South Park reference? I think it's a South Park reference. Uh, Washington Red-Tailed Hawks and the Washington Potomacs. Another so one that I much- saw – I saw the of calling them the Washington Pigskins, so they could still say skins. No, that is that is almost as bad as the Washington Monuments. Yeah, which would be awful and a travesty for this country. I think Red Tails is the only way to go. And I I don't like that one either. The Red Tails logo, and we'll tweet it out at our at our at our 3IL pod Twitter, so you can take a look yourself. The Red Tails logo that somebody made in a rendering is amazing. And so, apparently it's gained a lot of interest in DC. Why not name them that? Uh, what a great thing to do. Because the best one I've heard is the Washington officials familiar with the matter. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've also seen all the, uh, the got to be the lobbyists or the swamp the swamp monsters, whatever else. But uh, hey, man, I hey, I, you know, if Dan Snyder's listening, just do red tails, make make people happy. Like it, just like it would be a good, it would be a good one. And it's an awesome logo. Wrong. But now that I said that, you know, Dan Snyder probably be like, no, I'm gonna pick the most. In uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like he he picks the least creative thing. The least creative thing. Red Wolves? Come on. If that's true, disappointing. You have a once-in-a-lifetime chance to choose a new name for an NFL franchise, and you punt to pick something that at least one soccer franchise and one college has already done. I see what you're Boring. Dull. I see what you did there. Yeah, it's a good use of punt. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Anyway, that is all we have. That is all we have for Three Idiots and a Lawyer this week. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Hope uh, you follow us at 3ILPod. 
Uh, please like us on Facebook. Subscribe to all of those things. For Brett Hortonham, Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe, I am Matt Pfeiffer. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 